Drew Balpin, Kimono Brass, and Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio, my guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio, making one of his regular appearances. It's one of his regular appearances. He's the lead prospect analyst for Fangraphs.com. It's Eric Longenhagen. Eric Longenhagen is the guest. And on this edition of the program, Eric Longenhagen analyzes all prospects of particular note. The 2018-2019 class of international free agents. This podcast, this edition of the podcast, has been published on July 2nd, the same date that many of those same international free agents have signed. Because even the best players in this class won't be wholly relevant, though, for another five years, we look to those international free agents who signed five years ago. That is during the 2013 and 14 period. It's a collection of players that includes, for example, Raphael Devers, Gladbra Torres, among others. In total, eight, I think eight, Probably eight of the players in that 2013 and 14 class of the beard, either among uh, Eric Longenhagen and Kyle McDaniel's top 100 list this year or in the actual major leagues or both. I do ask Longenhagen to provide uh, at least one name from this current class whom he believes will appear on a top 100 list in 2023. So that is five years from now. And he does provide that name. This conversation occupies much of what follows. Also, notes from Longenhagen's looks. In the Arizona League thus far, that's the rookie-level Arizona League. And also, perhaps of no interest at all to listeners, other different kind of notes from Fangraph's annual trip, in this case, to Denver, Colorado. Fangraph's staff went to Denver, Colorado. More on that in what's to follow. But it's not following yet, because what is occurring right now is a reminder that Fangraph's memberships exist. For reasonable sum, readers of Fangraphs.com can support the great work that appears in the electronic pages. And for a slightly less reasonable sum, not unreasonable, but slightly less reasonable, those same readers, if they so choose, can acquire what is known as an ad-free membership, which allows one to browse Fangraphs.com without the burden of banner ads, not only facilitating faster loading speeds, but also liberating one from the distortive effects of advertising. Fangraphs membership and ad-free membership available at Fangraphs.com by going to that URL and clicking around for a little bit. This advertisement now complete. We'll get to our conversation. What is it? It is Fangraphs Audio. Who does it feature? Lead prospect analyst Eric Longenhagen discussing international free agency. And when does it begin? Right now. Actually, can I ask you a business question to, uh, to sure. begin things? Yeah. You today, with Kyler McDaniel, published your rankings for the 2018 and, I guess, 19 international free agent class. You can confirm that. Uh-huh. True? Yeah. Now, we're recording this on Friday, June 29th, owing to a combination of logistics and my own personal sloth, there's a, there's a strong chance this will not appear on the website until July 2nd. Monday, July 2nd, which is the day when teams can start signing these players, or if you'd like to think about it in a slightly different way, when these players can start signing with teams, right? Right. Officially, none of these arrangements has been announced. However, you and Kylie have um, projected team for all, I guess, 35 of the prospects uh, that you've ranked. So here's my question, because, again, this will come out on Monday when these players actually are signing, is what typically, how many of these are correct? We will probably have all the teams correct. The projected bonus amounts I feel less confident in. Mm -hmm. Some of them I know, and other ones I 
I have some questions about how spot on we are. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, the, the reality of the situation is, and I'm sure most of our listeners understand this, is that like most of these guys have deals done for a long time before they put pen on paper on Monday. And so, especially as we get close to the day, like most of most of my sources who deal w- with international amateur stuff have been back in Latin America at some point over the last couple of weeks to do stuff for next year. And indeed, like... Hey, pardon me, Eric. Yeah. After you made that comment, I just spit my water out all over my monitor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so surprised. Have you ever done a legit spit take? No. You know why? Because you have control over your mouth? You get control over my body. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's mostly why. I'm someone who exercises control over his human body. What do you think about that? That's good. So these t- decisions have been uh, they've been made for some time. That's the idea. Right. Yeah. 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 And, you know, the last two years under this current CBA, when the international amateur market has been different than it was in the preceding several years, now teams have a hard cap that they can't exceed. That has changed things, right? Because when that, when that new CBA dropped, typically that's like the halfway point between the previous signing period and the next one. And usually at that point, like a bunch of deals are already done. And in the years before this current CBA, that meant, you know, the Dodgers were spending $50 million and, you know, Yuan Moncada was getting 60, well, he was getting $31 million, but a team was spending $62 million on him. And Shoei Otani would have been getting... Oh, gosh. Yeah, I mean... Close to an infinite amount of money, right? Right, yeah. I mean, in my opinion, uh, Otani on on the open market is like a $200 million player. Yeah. So... Now, the most that a single team is going to spend on an international group in a given year is $6 million. Like $6.02 million is the, the top tier of pool amounts this year. Mm-hmm. And the total for all of baseball is something like $160 million, like just shy of that. And that's like what Otani would have gotten on his own under the last CBA. So these are, you know... Obviously, so much of the focus is on the individual players that we're going to see sign on Monday because we know about them and a lot of them are exciting young players and the teams that get them. But like from a broader in a broader, more important sense, really, like you can see how the fact that these guys really don't have a voice at the negotiating table for the CBA is very impactful. And it doesn't seem like a lot at the time, like I'm sure the players union doesn't I I can't imagine that they they ran the numbers and we're just like yeah sure hard caps for the international stuff it seems kind of icky so mm-hmm. let's this will fix it if there's not as much money to be made but it really it really doesn't if anything that people are working harder to push the little bit of money that that can be made like they're they're pushing themselves ethically to um well yeah some, some of the yes because the some of the rules I I spoke about this with Dave Cameron at some length, and of course it became particularly relevant following the, um, I guess, following the punishment of the Atlanta Braves and specifically John Coppolella, right? Mm-hmm. Is that there are, given because of the rules, there are perverse incentives uh, for teams. Is that if you have, if a player knows that the maximum he can receive is is a figure that is dramatically less than his, the, the amount that he would make on the open market, then it's then it's not surprising if either he is interested in a a tie breaking element, or if teams are interested in offering one. 
that's uh, that's actually kind of rational behavior under such situations, even though it's not the the legal sort of behavior. I mean, you know, within the, at least the terms of the CBA. Do you think that the you know what? Can I say something? I Go love ahead. that you. I love that you. I love that you're asking me a question. What? A, that's so great. You're you're just a great guy, Eric. <laughs> yeah, I love it. No, I mean not that. I, not to say that I need to be asked questions, but you respond because you're you're curious about the the ideas. It's very it's exciting for me. I'm lucky. Thank you. Yeah, I'm lucky. How much of the perception that this process is dirty has a cultural? I guess yeah, like almost a racism to it. Because in my opinion, a lot of the impropriety that is has been public, as far as the players are concerned, has largely been harmless. Like it it ultimately ends up with the kids getting paid more. And while like it's disingenuous, mm-hmm. I'm not sure there's a victim. There hasn't really been a victim to it, in my opinion. Like Kevin Maiton made seven million dollars. You know what I mean? Right. And like I'm cool with that. That's that's I want the players to do well, especially these are impoverished Latin American players who if they're inclined can do a lot for their communities let's say this let's say this it's a it's a it's a position that's easy to defend you say and i'm not saying it's it's a, therefore it shouldn't be made I'm saying it's a point that's easy to defend i'd like some poor people to have some money i think that's i think on a <laughs> you just ask anyone hey would you like these poor people to have more money you say yeah yeah those what's it to me nothing okay yeah give the poor people more money that's a that's an easy point to that's an easy point to argue yeah right and i think it's yeah. I think it's also pretty easy for MLB to point toward the corruption, which I guess at this point the biggest issue is the is PED use. Because of when the the players are agreeing to deals, they can cycle off of steroids and not get caught because they can agree to a deal when they're 15 and they won't be tested for quite a while after that and so it's hard to it's hard for most of them to get caught. Uh, and people do think it's an issue. But like MLB can point to all this stuff and say, hey, part of how we're going to clean this up is by capping how much how much money can be made. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's also pretty disingenuous because I, th- I just think that it's about saving money. Yeah, I, that seems like – yeah. I, I'm not sure what other motivations it could be. But if, you, um, if you're doing something – if you, do you think that's happening organiz- elsewhere in our culture? <laughs> if you're an organization and you are performing a task – save money and you already have a lot of money it's uh, it's not good for public relations to mm-hmm. say that you're doing this thing to make money i hope i'm not i hope i'm not this is not like re- revealing the truth about santa claus to you is it no i mean if you have a lot of money and then you tell people you want more money typically they're like eh, i don't know buddy <laughs> i don't know a lot of people without money you know not everyone's like that you know some people are there yeah go ahead get some more money but i think just again just knee-jerk reaction for me, yeah, get some money, get some money, guys. Hey, hey, yeah, <laughs> hi. <laughs> Sorry, I want to ask you about these. Uh, you mentioned the projected bonuses, right? Yeah. Mm, I'm looking at the relationship between uh, the projected bonuses and the future value grades you and Kylie have published here for mm-hmm. the for these things, and I and it's not what I would. It's not a perfect correlation, right? How come? You think you guys think you're better than these teams? You think you're better? <laughs> yeah. What's that? What's up with that? I've written about. I wrote about this actually. The first. This is right after I was brought on to Fangraphs. It was my first July second coverage mm-hmm. on my own. One of the huge factors, as far as the bonus amounts is concerned, is timing. It is like when 
the players became known on the market, when they agreed to a deal, and a lot of times, because we're talking ultimately about when most of them agree to a deal, 15-year-olds, the time between when they have a verbal agreement with the team and when they actually sign is like a huge, there's a huge amount of physical development that occurs during that time. And so you might agree to a $750,000 deal when you're 15, and then when you're 16, you might have developed into a $1.2 million player just because that's when you're a teenager, that's what happens. Like, uh, even when you're 18, like there's a cub shortstop from Mexico here in the AZL named Luis Verdugo who -hmm. has easily put on like five, eight, maybe 10 pounds just since extended spring training. Like we're talking about a period of three or four months. That's, um, that's Alex Verdugo's son. No, Verdugo has roots. Alex Verdugo has roots in Mexico too, but I, am, as far as I know, there's no relation here. So not his son, or he's pretending like it's not his son. That's what yeah. you're saying. It's his illegitimate son. It's his I'm illegitimate hearing. breaking teenage son. Yeah, who breaking. he had when he was four. Very virile, the Verdugos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I believe, uh, I believe that's what Verdugo means on <laughs> Espanol. So yeah, that's why I think that the bonus amounts and how we have the guys lined up can be pretty disparate. Good, was it good weight or bad weight, this uh, Luis Verdugo? Verdugo, it's good weight. Okay. It's good weight. Yeah, he's pretty interesting. Look at, like muscle weight. Yeah, it's lean It's lean muscle. This is uh, Luis Verdugo, Mexican shortstop. The Cubs signed I love what you're doing right now, by the last way. Last year, who was not on, my, not on my rankings last year. It was like a, a flat one million. That's why I always say that your ratings are dog shit. <laughs> remember how i always say that yeah you, yep yeah because you always like never include josh james in any of them you know that's right you know how he throws like what does he do he throw 98 or something and he never include josh james <laughs> the ball literally combusts in like <laughs> in the air and that's I was why just you like, any given day, you say, hey, someone says, hey, what do you think about Eric Longenhagen's rankings? I say, oh, Eric Longenhagen's rankings, they're dog shit. <laughs> yeah. I have fun saying it. So it's fun. I know my therapist appreciates it. <laughs> well, I've been, I've been calling him up and say, do you, hey, listen, I know, you, I know you have, I know you're not allowed to say it, but I know Eric Longenhagen is your patient. <laughs> Has he been in uh, recently? No. No. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> ask him why his ask him why his rankings are dog. <laughs> what if your therapist did say that to you? Are your rankings dog because your dad didn't love you? <laughs> do you think your dad's flat eartherness has anything to do with your rankings being? It's true. Yeah, something to think about. There's a lot to uh, there's a lot to probe there. But I'm I'm not gonna do it. I'm not going to do it for you. You got to do it on your own. That's your own. I got to do it own. on my own at $65 a session. Yeah. And well, you could do it, you know, it's like church. You go, you know, you got to go to the main event, but you can do some work on your own during the week too. You know, you can do some of your own work. You get the tools for discovery. Right. At the actual venue. But then when you leave, you st- it's not, you know, you can still, uh, you can still con- contemplate the perfect love of God when you're not, when you're not at church. Right? You just sit there, huh? Yeah, perfect right. love. You're on holy core rotting you from the inside out. Go to That's the next another rosary bead. That's another thing that happens, yeah. <laughs> Disdain for other people who don't buy into your organized religion. Yeah. Well, that's, hey, hey, Eric. Eric, th- does that happen? Yeah. But uh, are, humans, are humans disgustingly tribal? Sure. Sure. They are. But we're, we're, you and I are in the same tribe, so it's okay. <laughs> I look at this list. 
of prospects. And uh, well, no, wait, we've done this before. The age, these guys, these are 16 year old people on this. Mm -hmm. At, let's see, and we are in the year 2018. They are 16. 2018, they are 16. Do you have their DOBs? Do you know how I would find their DOBs or at least their ages with decimal points? Hmm. I'd look at the board. Yeah, we. I have all the DOBs that spit that out. So I don't need the DOBs. I okay. got the ages. If we, if uh, for anyone who's interested, you go to Fangraphs.com. There is a menu at the top. Pull down menu. Click on leaders, and it's uh, it's under there. Actually, I don't even have to click. July twelfth, two thousand two, is the youngest among them. That's their their date of birth. So is he just barely? He just barely qualifies. Yeah. July twelfth. Okay. Yeah. So wait, he's not actually eighteen yet. Sixteen yet. Not sixteen. He'll be sixteen yet. soon. Nope. So does he have to wait till July 12th then? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I forget like exactly how, because I might be conflating it with the draft. But like once you hit 16, so like there's some, sometimes a player won't turn 16 until like August or whatever, and then they will. Yeah, they'll have to wait. Okay. Oh, no, here's another kid, Alex Ramirez, mm -hmm. August 29th, 2002. He's wow. also not 16. I was in eighth grade. I was just about to go to eighth grade. Right. On August 29th, 2002. Yep. Your lists were dog then too. Yeah, they were. <laughs> <laughs> but they got, they get, always get a lot of they have a lot of heat, a lot of heat on those. What I want to say is this: when I was in eighth grade, they gave me an award at the end of the year for most improved hygiene. <laughs> <laughs> it was at the end of the year school like award ceremony. I was smelly in like sixth and seventh grade. My hormones were, they reeked. <laughs> and I just remember walking to the stage being like, this doesn't feel like an award. <laughs> <laughs> did they also, did they also give out a least improved hygiene? No. Yeah. Good. But they probably said something. Like, that's not an award. That's, that's a trip to the principal's office. Vice principal's office. You're going to see the vice principal. I imagine okay. uh, garbage Gary Grabowski would have, would have won it. I don't know who Garbage Gary Goodbye nah, is. Don't worry is, it, about it. is that a pop culture reference? I'm sure he's doing fine. Okay. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> I don't recognize any of these names, and that's fine. I consider that fine. Oh, on the list, yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't need to. I mean, I recognize. I've seen all of. I've seen most of the surnames before, and some of the, and a lot of the given names. Rarely have I seen them together, and certainly not connected to these actual humans. But I don't consider that a weakness. When will these players debut? Like when will so you have a list of thirty five here? In what year do you think the majority of them will debut? Yeah, we actually like be, have. There'll be an early 90 guy. Ninety total in our internal database. These are just the guys we've started with that we okay. have like enough info on to rank and talk about. Okay, sounds like you want a compliment. Is that no, what you're no, 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 for? no? I just so keep in mind, like one hundred and sixty million dollars is going to get spread out way. among like a whole lot of players. So right. this is sort of transitioning into your question and answer to your question. So the best among these guys will be in the States this fall for Fall Instructional League. And it'll be the first time that a lot of the industry gets to see them that's not involved in international scouting. That's when I'll see a lot of them for the first time. Mm -hmm. And then they sort of disappear. And you're probably not going to see their names in a box score of any kind until around a year from now when most of them are in the DSL. And then again, like the top tier of them might be here in the Arizona Rookie League. and Wait a second. Can I, can I interrupt? When is the Fall Instructional League? Can you say that again? That's like, when would that start? In October? I can look okay. at last year's schedules, I think, and, and approximate it. But yeah, like yeah. 
they start like it is in literally in the fall after like during the MLB playoffs is when that stuff's going on. Okay. Oh, okay. That's great. Hey, wait, does that overlap with the Arizona Fall League? It does, yeah. For like two weeks, Instructional League and Fall League are going on simultaneously. And that's when like there are a handful of days when you can do a morning Instructional League game at like 9 or 10 and then go to a Fall League game at 1230 and then another Fall League game at 6. And it's amazing. Hey, hey, this is not relevant to anyone's experience, but really my own. And, and uh, I'm roping you in. I think I should do – I think I want to do that. I think yeah. I want to. I want to come to Phoenix or Tempe or wherever, and I want to go to three games in one day, preferably chaperoned by you. That's not, think about yeah. that. Yeah, that I sounds, encourage that. That sounds fun. And my child, we're gonna we're gonna have daycare by then, you know. So yeah. that sounds great. Good because I don't. I wouldn't want to be around. I'm not gonna take my son, probably. The baby. Yeah. That sounds great. So you will see them fall. No, wait. Would they be in theory? Would they be at the next fall instructional league? Would they be at extended spring training? The next, the next spring? Yeah, so it'll be Fall Instructional League, and then especially once most of the minor leaguers kick out to full-season affiliates next spring is when a lot of the international kids come over for extended spring training. You might not see them here during minor league spring training proper. Some of them certainly you will, but a lot of them it's later in the year, uh, extended spring training, they're here. And then a huge group of them go back to the Dominican for the DSL. And some of it depends on, like, the draft classes that a given team has and how advanced it is, et cetera, et cetera. But then a lot of them will be at short season and rookie league affiliates next year. Last year's top guy on my July 2nd list was Wander Franco, who the Rays signed. Mm-hmm. They sent him right to the Appalachian League this summer. So, uh, like, that's what it looks like when the most advanced, like, the most advanced 16-year-old old on earth is still probably just going to be playing in short season ball somewhere next year. Okay. Two, three, four, five. I'm doing some math here as while you're talking. And so I'm trying to figure out, I'm trying to figure out when we would see these players. And the conclusion I've reached is say roughly 2022 or 2023 when they are 20 or 21 years old. That's when they will begin appearing. If not in the actual major leagues, although some of them might, that's when they'll begin appearing at least, you know, like there would be like viable major league prospects at that point right yeah like think about Juan Soto reached the majors more quickly than any teenager since yeah, any teenage position player yeah. since Alex Rodriguez right so yeah. and that's yeah. still like he was class of 2015 right mm-hmm. 2016 no idea he would have been yeah what I had in mind was yeah J2 2015 if we look at the 2013 class of international 2013 that's Glaber and Eloy Jimenez, right? Signings, MLB. Yeah. So you ready? Mm-hmm. Right. So if I go, if I look back here, and actually I can conveniently do so, it's come to my attention, Eric Longenagen, I can conveniently do so by way of the board, capital T-H-E, capital B-O-A-R-D, the board. There's a uh, signing information. So looking at the players who signed in, in this case, I've chosen 2013, which would be the equivalent of these players essentially graduating at age 20. But... There are currently, I guess what, there are currently seven players in, in the top 100 for the minor league rankings who were signed in 2013. And wait, I don't, I suppose this doesn't necessarily include graduates yet, so, or this doesn't include graduates yet. I don't know if anyone has graduated. But fourth overall, Victor Robles, although he's probably close to graduating officially, right? Not really. He's hurt. Well, yep. That's a good point. Victor Robles. 
was one, uh, was was part of it. Eloy Jimenez, Chicago White Sox. He's ranked sixth overall. And Gleyber Torres. Those three players are all ranked in the top twelve. We're in the top twelve, I guess. Of what was was that either an update or was that uh, was that preseason that I'm talking now? That's this is still the preseason stuff. The board hasn't been updated. We just updated the fifties and above. Right. So three players from one class in the top uh, in the top 100 prospects. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luis Urias at 28. Albert Abreu, a right-handed pitcher for the Yankees at 29. Jorge Guzman, a right-handed pitcher in the Miami system, at uh, 67. And then Adonis Medina. Another right-hander at 73 in the Philly system. So that's seven total players. Does that seem like a lot to you, if you had to guess? Um, no, I think that's about right. Maybe that is – no, I think that is slightly above average. I guess okay. if I were looking at this year's list and the list from last year and were to say, hey, there are going to be half a dozen guys from this list who are on an overall top 100 one day, I'd say that that's strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like just looking at this year's list, in my opinion – there are maybe five guys who I'm like, oh, I, I bet this guy is going to be on a, an overall 100 one day and maybe another three or four that have the physical tools to get there but are raw, mm-hmm. high-risk players. So maybe, yeah, I guess maybe that's about right. Seven, between six and eight. That sounds correct. One other player to sign uh, during the same uh, during the same period was uh, Raphael Devers. Yep. Third baseman for the Boston Red Sox. So he's probably the it. only. I think he's the only one. Maybe Jang Ho Sang uh, with the Cubs has also graduated, but I think Devers is the only one. All right. Um, or I guess Glaber hmm. has at this point too, right? Y- yes, I do not know uh, where he's at in terms of plate appearances, but he has certainly hit a sufficient number of home runs. To he's pretty good. Probably, yeah. <laughs> it's all right. Turned out right. So that's uh, that's at least that's at least eight who are top one hundred or equivalent prospects. So that means that when I look at this list, so I, I guess I, what I'm trying to do is create some sort of context, say like how much I should care, right? When I look at the uh, the list of the top international players for 2008, I could say, hmm, five to ten of these guys will be relevant because that's also when we were just speaking just now, I, that also omitted Sandy Alcantara, who was recently promoted by the Miami Marlins, and he's actually going to start Tonight's game. He's going to be making his major league debut. Is not well, he sure, pit- what I'm saying, right? Um, no, he, he pitched for the Cardinals last year. Pitched for the, the Cardinals, yeah, right. Yeah. He'll be making uh, his, debut his Marlins, the Marlins big league debut. Yeah, Marlins big debut. Yeah, telling tales out of school. I apologize, but um, right. So that's so that's yeah, five to ten guys. I think you could reasonably say is if there is one among this list, and I'm going to ask you to exclude Victor Victor Mesa. Okay. Because he's a Cuban signing. His, there's some constraints on him and I think is he one of the players or was there another one who you thought might actually go in the in the 20 20 uh, 19 2020 class I think someone will find a way to get Victor Victor Mesa done in 2018 we have to wait and see who has money left after Monday really mm-hmm. um, and then monitor who is trading for pool space remember you can trade for up to 75% of your original pool space okay but Alex Vargas another Cuban uh, shortstop came over late and didn't come over, but like defected from Cuba late during this timeline. So like the signing period starts on Monday, but the scouting and deal making part of the timeline for this, you know, section of baseball has been, it started over a year ago. So if you're a Cuban player and you're only defecting now, like the Mesa kids defected in May, most of this money is spoken for. 
So if you're a $3 million player, like some teams think Alex Vargas is, like a majority of teams probably think Victor Victor Mesa is, you might not. there might not be a team who has that kind of cash laying around. They might have to go get it if it's even possible for a team to do it at all, let alone several teams to create like an actual market for yourself. So you might have incentive to wait a full year and not sign until 2019. Like Lourdes Gurriel essentially did that. He became cleared to sign during, I was at Area Codes and like, I think I was the one who reported it, that Lourdes Gurriel was like cleared by MLB to sign. But he waited until he like had cleared, again, it was the old CBA, the age bar to hit like the open market. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like this process does create some incentive for players to wait, which doesn't really make sense for baseball, uh, other than saving money, or uh, or their own. The it doesn't make sense for their own development, probably, right? Probably not. I, mean, I suppose there are things you could do to supplement it, but there's I don't think there's a replacement for reps against pro quality live pitching. Like you really can't you can't simulate that as easily as you can you know just stay in shape. Who do you think of these players then? This is returning to the question I was asking. Who do you think of them it has the highest probability of becoming a major leaguer? Because I, I, and I suppose that to, to some degree I could arrive at this my own self by looking at the future value grades and the risk associated with the various players. But I think that there's some, there's sufficient ambiguity even between those two figures that it makes me curious as to hear you say it with your human voice. Say that one more time. The player you think is most likely to emerge, if we know that 5 to 10 will be on a top 100 list, I'm giving you a pretty decent, pretty decent odds, I think. Who's the one do you think that will certainly be on a top 100 list, say, four or five years from now? My guy in the class is Kevin Alcantara, the center fielder mm-hmm. that we have projected to sign with the Yankees, who trains with Jose Offerman. That This is like my type of guy. This is the thing now as under the new CBA that, is worth paying attention to is what types of players are certain teams signing? What are you doing with your finite amount of pool space? We're only two two years in, so it's hard to start. Like pattern recognition is still pretty difficult at this point. But like Cleveland has Cleveland's two most expensive guys each of the last two years have been advanced bat to ball guys with without a whole lot of physical projection. So like those are the sorts of things that that I'm looking for as far as like what teams are looking to do. But my Personal taste is still in the, hey, this is a big 6'3", 6'4", projectable frame, and there's ease and grace to what he's doing, and I think that from like a player development standpoint, what teams are doing now is so sentient, it's so competent, that I'll take that raw material and work with it, rather than having some of the skills stuff in place mm-hmm. now, like the bat-to-ball like, give me the big projectable athlete and I will make them into a better baseball player. I know that that sounds... How's, Ma- how's Monte Harrison doing this year? He's struggling. It's just not related to that question. But I know, right, but like that, me saying that phrase, that mm-hmm. means something different now than it did even just yeah. like four or five years ago. Like, think about what teams are doing now with swing and pitch engineering. Like, that's totally different now. I think saying take like give me the big athletic guy and I'll teach him how to play baseball. I think that's m- a more viable approach now than it was even just a half decade ago because of how far player development has come in that time. Yeah, I suppose you you'd still have to find a player who was willing to participate or you know in, embrace whatever alterations were going to be made. 
but that's probably a lower a lower bar to cross than as you as you note, like taking a certain athletic guys from the past who maybe lacked some of the baseball skills. It wasn't it wasn't nice of me to say the thing about Monte Harrison, who actually, despite a strikeout rate in close proximity to forty percent, has recorded a league average line double A. Where is he? It's it what's Miami's double A? Is it Southern League? Is that right? That sounds uh, right. yeah. Yeah. Right, and like context is important, right? So Monte is still just a twenty two year old at double A who didn't commit fully to baseball until he turned pro and missed probably two seasons worth of games in his first three pro seasons because of injury. So, like, there are reasons for him to be behind. Yeah. And I think he'll be fine. And what about Brinson? If it was a brief detour here, but uh, Brinson... Brinson uh, is struggling in the big leagues, but again, like, in my opinion, that was to be anticipated. I'm pretty sure I even wrote that. Like, he's a guy who has promoted, struggled, and adjusted, like, everywhere he's gone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, it could be a couple... It could be a couple seasons. Like, it's... I still yeah. think he's going to be a six. I still think he's going to be a three-war guy at peak. You think he's going to be a... Has he going to have power? Is he going to have good power? He's going to have power. Is he going to have... Uh, he's going to have defense? He's going to hit for power and play a fine center field. Okay. Is he going to be Mike Cameron? Chris Young? Yeah, I think that's what you're... Yeah, that type of player. Okay. All right. Well, I'll be looking at Kevin Alcantara, though. You say you say uh, decent uh, decent bat, bat to ball skills, though. Maybe. Yeah, like it's he's not crazy raw. Like the guy who is the extreme of this type in the class, the guy that I like, the frame with athletic ability is Alejandro Pie, a shortstop from the Dominican who is like a big six four, explosive shortstop who has some baby giraffe. <laughs> traits. Mm-hmm. Some people think, you know, he's going to move to the outfield, the swing needs work, etc., etc. Like, it's a lot. There's a lot of work to be done. But also, like, explosive 6'4", 175-pound guys, not exactly easy to find. Right. A lot of the other hitters in this class are stocky, six-foot, you know, catchers <laughs> who are more polished. So you can, you know, if I'm picking between those those two demos, like, I'll take, like, give me a PA. Looks like there's video on a lot of guys, uh, but no video on Kevin Alcantara. Uh, yep, correct. You're going to get that video? Or uh, Alejandro Pia. Have you, are you secretly hoarding these so that other people don't see it? We might have Pia video at some point. Okay. I have a little bit of him on my phone. I don't know if it's good <laughs> enough to stick up on like the YouTube page and link to on the board, but yeah. We're chipping away. We chip away at it. We yeah, don't I have know. the... Well, it's a big undertaking, isn't it? Yeah, the video stuff for these guys is tough. It's tough. Who have you been seeing in the Arizona League? So the way I've the way I do it now, after like four years of learning how to best do it, is obviously not all the draft picks have signed yet. The d- deadline for them to do so is July sixth, and the pitchers who are drafted and signed have to be built back up to throw in pro games. After a lot of them have just had downtime after the college, their college and high school years have have ended, so a lot of them even haven't even got going. So if I hear someone is pitching, whether it's a draft pick or someone rehabbing, then that's my target for the evening. Otherwise, I'm generally targeting hitters who are, you know, that you can just insert them into the lineup more quickly. Mm -hmm. And I almost always target some of the West Valley teams who travel to the East Valley on a given night. It's just more efficient for my travel to, like, you know, spend 20 minutes round trip instead of two hours round trip seeing 
players on a given day, and especially if it's college hitters who aren't going to be around here for a long time, like Nico Horner, who the Cubs drafted in the first round, or Joey Bart, who the Giants took second overall. If those guys are around, those are the guys who I'm going to target. So you have a you essentially have a decision you have a decision tree. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I guess yeah. I do. Yeah. First one is is there a pitcher is there a pitcher I want to watch in particular? That's what you say. Right. Yeah. Like, do I know? Do I have information that someone is pitching somewhere tonight that I need to go see? Right. And if the answer is yes, then you go see that. Then that's where I go. Uh, if the answer is no, then I'm looking at what West. What West Valley teams are headed my way east, and who among them has the most robust amount of hitting talent that I just know when I show up to the ballpark, like they're all going to be in the lineup. How many ACL teams? <laughs> there are 18 this year. It's a lot. Which is, it's so many. So back in 2014, when I first arrived here, it was just, it was 14. I want to say it was 14. There are 15 or 16 MLB teams who train here for spring training. The Rockies do not have an AZL affiliate. They just send, they just push all their kids to the Pioneer League or leave them back in the DSL. And then last year, the Padres added a second team, which was the first time someone had done that here in Arizona. And now this season, the Cubs have a second AZL team. The Giants have a second one. Cleveland has a second one. I think that's it. Yeah. Who's who's Omar Cruz? Omar you Cruz. You wrote about him. I did. Yeah. <laughs> you did. Were you looking at AZL stats and saw his line? Yeah. Yeah. Omar Cruz is a as a like an advanced pitchability lefty in the AZL with the Padres. They have a lot of obviously like their international group from a couple years ago, who most of which is now at Fort Wayne, is like the the big deal. That's Adrian Morejon, although he's in the Cal League. And like Luis Almanzar and Gabriel Arias and Justin Lopez, like most of those guys are at Fort Wayne. But they have this, they have an interesting group of pitching that's coming through here now that is a little bit behind those guys. And Cruz is one of them. He's like a six foot lefty. He's 90-92. And he can throw his curveball, which is fine for strikes. So he's going to torch the AZL because that skill set is particularly good in the AZL. This guy is not like with devoid of physical projection or anything like that, but somewhat limited by the size. It's like average fastball, average breaking ball, can throw strikes, knows how to pitch, like might be a a fine fourth starter, maybe like down the line, but has the skill set to really do damage down here right now. They have, they have a bunch of guys. They have someone actually who, whose name is escaping me right now, who I actually need to get information on because he is also, he has also been dominant for his first couple outings. Is it, Joey Cantillo? No. Is it Danny Sexton? Nope. Is it 17-year-old Frank Lopez? No, I have info on Lopez, too. He's He's got a little bit more velo. He's like 90-94. Yeah, there's like a little bit more stuff there. I haven't seen him yet either, but I know who he is, and I've got some info. And he's only 17. 17 to two months. Yeah. Look at the Cubs roster. They have a Mexican kid who is still 16, who I watched go like... What did he do the other night? He was like three for four the other night <laughs> and like waited back on a bunch of decent breaking balls and like hit them, hit them back up the middle. It's pretty, it's pretty interesting down here. It's going to be another interesting year. Last year was so star studded. We had all these draft picks. We had Austin Beck and Joe Adele and last year's group of high end talent was really great. But this year it's like, there are a bunch of these really young 17, 18 year olds. I guess that's what happens when you have 18 rosters worth of guys. That's a lot of players. Well, the Cal league is what it's a, uh... 
it's Kelly gets only eight teams, right? Right, yeah. By comparison, so you're talking about twice as many players. Yeah, it's going to be a challenge to cover to cover it all competently this year. And I do not envy the teams that that have individuals here who just their job is to cover the entire AZL. Like if you're a single scout, I'd imagine that this year is is looking quite daunting. You have to probably eliminate rosters that you know. If you're let's say you're a rebuilding team, like let's say you're the Tigers, and you have a scout covering the AZL. Like it doesn't really make sense. It doesn't make as much sense for you to cover like the Padres teams because it's unlikely that you'll make a deal with the Padres. Like you're not going to be sending a big leaguer to the Padres for any of their prospects. They're not they're not in the market for that. Right. Uh, so you probably want to target your coverage to, you know, the Cubs and other contending teams because they're just the ones who are more likely to trade a prospect to you. Maybe that's, that's right. how you how you ultimately get it done. Efrain Contreras, that's the guy. He's still 18 as well, 5'10", righty, mm-hmm. who has a 28-3 to 3 strikeout-to-walk ratio in 22 innings <laughs> so far this year. He was in the DSL, and they just sent him up here. He pitched on uh, the 27th, so that's hey, the guy that I got to go see. I see him. I got nothing on him other than he's got a 28-3 to 3 strikeout-to-walk ratio in 22 innings, and he's 18. <laughs> so got to go see him. What level was he at before? He was in the DSL. This is his first pro season. Mm-hmm. He signed... July 8th of last year. So he was in the DSL through most of June and was just brought to Arizona this past week. This is like why I check all the minor league box scores every day is to see, oh, who like, who's this guy? Just the names. You just want to see the names. You just, the, you, I mean, not you want to see other things too, but you just, the name, it's got all the names. Mm-hmm. Hey, do you ever, do you ever come across Jake Hager in any of your travels? Yeah, this was, I think the last time I saw Hager, he was at, he was in Port Charlotte. Which is? The Rays, Florida State League affiliate, high A. Yeah. Here's something about Jake Hager. This is, uh, is he was a first round pick in 2011. Yeah, one of their huge, like that was the year when Tampa had like six of the first 50 picks or something. Oh, that sounds vaguely familiar, yeah. I think maybe Honeywell, was Honeywell in that one too? Uh, Does that sound right? I think Snell was, but I'm not Snell. sure about Honey. No, no, it was, it was Snell. I think you're right, it was Snell. So no, Honeywell is more recent. Jake Hager was uh, granted free agency this past offseason. He became a minor league free agent. Yeah. And uh, apparently his opportunities for finding work in affiliated ball were somewhat limited because he he ended up signing a contract with the St. Paul Saints of the American Association. Nice. Yeah, that's not great. But then a couple weeks after that, he joined the Brewers, and uh, he's just passed uh, the first few months of the season hitting very well uh, in the Southern League. I think it's Southern League. Southern League? Eastern League? Southern League? Probably Southern League. He's Biloxi, Yeah, he was in AA Southern League is Biloxi. That's the Brewers AA affiliate. He spent two months there. Yeah, um, hit very well. He's been a, at AAA Colorado Springs for just about a week now. Yeah, suffered a knee injury and missed, forced him to miss all 2015. Have you looked at his batted ball profile on the site? Mm-hmm. He was a he was a 45 to 48% ground ball guy. Yeah. And this year is a 34. 5, 37% ground ball guy. Yeah. So probably a swing changer. Be pretty swing interesting. Maybe swing changer, yeah. He's only 25 still. Yep. I mean, if you turn a guy like that into like, you know, your second your second bench infielder, mm-hmm. that's pretty good. When you see uh, the Brewers have picked a guy like that, how, what does that mean to you as a 
if, relative to 29 other teams? Like, where you're like, hmm, like, do you trust it more? You say, yeah, yeah, they probably, or do you think, well, they probably just needed some sort of depth at the position? I do, I do think the, the Brewers do a good job on the scouting side. They have been one of the, like, when you talk with people in baseball about, uh, what Houston did with their scouting department, and I'm trying to think of a, a verb that doesn't, that has, like, no implicit value to describe what happened. They evacuated it? <laughs> that... They altered it significantly in a way that is less dependent on people and more centralized hmm. and reliant upon technology. When you talk about what teams are candidates to do that next, Milwaukee is one of the first teams out of people's mouths. But they certainly haven't acted like that. If anything, they've have, they have more scouts than the typical team does right now. So I do think Milwaukee does a good job, like on the on the scouting side. Yeah, but I don't know if like signing Jake Hager makes me think, oh well, that just must be no must be well, correct because the Brewers decided to do it. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's although I, I mean Jesus Aguilar is crushing it. I guess that's another. What did you know about Jesus Aguilar? Is a he was in the Cleveland system for a while, wasn't he? <laughs> he was. Yeah, he was claimed off of waivers by Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee thought that he was, you know, like Christian Walker and like Adam Brett Walker and. All of these other first base types that are fringe 40-man guys, like one out of every 10 of them turns into Jesus Aguilar for you know a certain amount of time. I would target, if I was looking for a guy who'd turn into Jesus Aguilar, I would target the ones whose names were Jesus Aguilar. That would be my first step. As a, right? Who's doing, who's doing Jesus Aguilar things at AAA right now? What do you mean by Jesus Aguilar things? Hitting Is anyone like really who, who's twenty six crushing the international league? Hmm. Should we look? Like, um, how about Austin uh, Dean? Austin Dean is like a. Is he still with in the Miami system? Yeah, he's like a a bat to ball. Oh man, like I want to say second base and third base type. I mean, I know that's where he has played, but I wouldn't. Yeah, I think he's playing there. corner he's more outfield. Left fielder now. for me. Yeah. yeah, he's playing corner outfield now. Maybe Kenny's Vargas is that guy. Oh yeah. Wait, where, where's Kenny's Vargas these days? Is he still in, still with Minnesota? Minnesota system. He's a 27 year old with Minnesota, who's first got a taste of AAA at tw- in 2015. He's still there, mm-hmm. hitting, not really hitting this year actually. Yeah, it's a bad example, huh? Man, my phone. Dud example. Do you hear my phone? Yeah, what's vibrating? It it's because the board went up today. We're getting feedback. Oh, I, th- I thought you said there was a the war went up today. No, not yet. That's not good. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'm sure that there are other guys like that. Maybe Rowdy Tellez will eventually be that guy, or um. I know what sort of guys. They're kind of immobile. Yeah. And this, that they're going to play a position. It's going to be one position, you know. And uh, it Patrick a lot Wisdom, of, maybe. A lot of pressure on the bat, and if that doesn't work out, then it's uh, it's not going to happen. But especially for a National League team, they could have some use because. Say, well, we can use him as a pinch hitter sometimes, and right. I guess we'll do that. AJ Reed maybe turns into that guy. There are a lot of candidates for this. What's Brett Wallace doing these days? What is Fatty Dro doing? Well, nothing as far as nothing as far as our website is willing to divulge. He was with last with Padres in 2016. Well, that's a guy with no power though. Tight lipped about it. Do you think Brett Wallace is in the independent leagues right now? Maybe. Have you seen what uh, Rafael Palmero is doing in indie ball? No. That's a funny sentence. Is he good? 
He's he's hitting, yeah. Like his triple slash line is he was at two sixty four, three eighty four, four sixteen as of a couple days ago. Oh yeah, look at that. He's in the American Association as well. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. He's fifty three. <laughs> yes he is. Hmm. I mean he was good at hitting when he was a major leaguer. He was good at hitting. Yeah. What other indie ball stuff is going on? The Atlantic League, I guess, is the one I'm most familiar with because it was close to where I grew up. What's the closest team to uh, Catasauqua? The York. Well, it would. I guess it would have been what the um, the Sharks. Mm-hmm. So what the what Sharks? The, what's the South Jersey city they were in? <laughs> South. Oh, okay, yeah. It was somewhere in South Jersey. The River Sharks. Is it Newark? The Camden no, River not Sharks. Newark. Sorry, not Newark. Uh, tr- uh, no, worse than that, Camden. <laughs> yeah, Camden. Sorry, Camden River Sharks. Yeah, Camden, I believe, is actually where Walt Whitman is buried and might have been born. You can't confirm that latter one. I'm pretty sure he's buried there, though. I think Pedro Feliz eventually ended his career with the Camden River Sharks. Mm-hmm. Notable alumni, Camden River Sharks. Ready for this? Yeah, Walt Whitman. Danny Bautista, whose son is actually eligible to sign in, I think, this year's class if not next year's okay. maybe it's next year's hold on let me look at our thing 2019 july 2nd no he's not on there either pedro feliz jose lima rest in peace val pascucci oh val pascucci remember val pascucci yes i do he was an inaugurally high valley iron pig as well jared weaver delwin young mm-hmm. steven drew mike costanzo do you remember mike costanzo <laughs> not intimately no uh, he's not, he's not he was part of the package that Philly sent to Houston for Brad Lidge, along with okay. Michael Bourne. Okay. So there you go. He was yeah. like when the Phillies were discussing trading Scott Rowland, mm-hmm. and people were like, well, what internal options are the future at third base? It was him and Utley were the two that people were like, could Utley play third base? Or, you know, is Costanzo the better one? <laughs> so there you go. Who who ended up, how did things end up? <laughs> One of them is a fringe Hall of Famer. Yeah. Although I think you might not be remembering correctly. You might be remembering correct- correctly. Ooh, Costanzo, Costanzo was then traded for Miguel Tejada at some point, too. So that's pretty good. Yeah. Whose son is also eligible to sign. The worst in players this, to in be this traded. Year's, uh, in this year's class. The best players. That would be that'd be interesting. Worst players traded for the best players. I'm sure there's yeah, a the bunch Bagwell. of like St. Louis, St. Louis Browns examples, Kansas City Athletics or whatever. Yeah. Whatever. But... Um, Wait, he wasn't traded. He wasn't traded to Houston, Costanzo. He what? He wasn't. He wasn't traded to Houston. Was Did he? Did you say he was? He was, traded, he was traded to Houston with Michael Bourne. Yeah, wasn't he? No, I think he was traded. To, he was traded to Baltimore. I think that might have been the deal you're just mentioning. Let's see. No, I just he was. Wait a tra- second. He was traded in oh. twice in the same off season. Oh yes, he was. A month apart. Yeah, yeah. yeah he he was, was traded. The the Lidge deal was like right after. 2007 would have been what they lost to the Rockies. Kaz Matsui and his anal fissure went nuts in the NLDS. And uh, Kyle Kendrick was like the game two starter for mm-hmm. the Phillies in that in that NLDS. Yeah. That's where their pitching was at the time, the year before they won the World Series. And so the Rockies beat them and then they moved Bourne, et cetera, et cetera, for, for Lidge that offseason. I actually want to tell you something is that I had in my head, I say, I said, if Eric says this one thing, then that, that'll be the sign for the recording to end. We can anal fissure. Yeah, I didn't. It was Kazmet doing his anal fissure went nuts. <laughs> That's what I was waiting for you to say. And you did. You did. Okay. 
Also, you've listen. You've you've done at least an hour of recording. I don't know what it's going to come out to in terms of finished material. <laughs> Only Dylan Higgins knows that. Only producer Dylan Higgins uh, knows what we've done in terms of a finished material. But uh, an hour of recording is all I require of anyone, which allows me to say to you, Eric Longenhagen, that you have fulfilled your obligation to Fangraphs Audio. That's good. We didn't even talk about the Denver trip. I guess people don't want to know about that, though. Did you learn anything? In Denver? Yeah. I mean, I learned some, like, guts of the website stuff that's helpful as far as, like, using the, the table tool and other work-related things. I don't know if I learned anything of humanitarian interest while we were there. <laughs> uh, I w- it was very new to me, or this, this area, was the whole, the existence of it was, um, I guess, uh, I, did not, I was not aware of it before. Um, I did not know what to expect necessarily from Denver. A lot of breweries. Yeah, a lot. Not always. Like, I don't think I saw it as a supermarket, like a market, you know, like a place to buy food. Yeah, we passed the farmer's market on right, Saturday morning. True. We but did pass like, the yeah, farmer's I market. I didn't, see, I didn't see what I thought looked like people going to work, and nope. I did not see a grocery store. No. There's just a lot of um, young people with kind of dirty clothes and beautiful skin walking around, you know? Yep. And... uh Walking around and then looking good, and then uh, no one going to a market <laughs> or a job. Although we saw people at their jobs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. It's not the worst place to live, is it? Craig Edwards apparently awkwardly said hello to Charlie Blackman in a bar. I saw that. Yeah. Christopher McDonald, aka Shooter McGavin, walked mm-hmm. right past all of us as we entered a hotel, and I was the only one who knew it was Shooter McGavin. Is that and right? He you know, made I... an audible whooshing sound with his mouth as he passed us, as I stared at him, and then hailed a cab. <laughs> Did, was he attempting to ensure that you didn't engage him, do you think? Uh, probably. Hmm. Uh, he also, you know, I saw him one time at a performance of Bring in the News, Bring in the Funk. Can you say that? Can you say that for yourself? Bring in the News, Bring in the Funk. Bring in the News, Bring in the Funk. What's that? <laughs> bring in the news. It was a, a rather popular Broadway show uh, in the mid to late 90s, at least. And uh, I believe it was um, produced and also starred Savion Glover. I could be wrong about all of these things. <laughs> and if so, at least the choreography was by him. Yeah. Bring in the noise, bring in the funk. Yeah. It was a program mid-90s. I'm not lying. And uh, I'm pretty sure I did not know his name was Christopher McDonald, uh, but I'm pretty sure it was Shooter. And I know I said something annoying because I was only, well, I was 16 when I saw him. So what did you want from me? Jeffrey Wright was in it as well. Currently of uh, Westworld, I think. I've not seen that yet. Neither have I. Probably on the list. Hey. Yeah. You fulfilled your obligation. All right. Eric Longanay, what a pleasure to speak with you. Okay. That has been Lead Prospect Analyst Eric Longanay. I'm Carson Stooley. This has been Fangraphs Audio.